Welcome to the Align with Spirit podcast. The Align with Spirit podcast is a program that takes a look at life through the lens of metaphysical occult, new thought, comparative religion, and new age philosophy. Each week, a new topic is reviewed and explored. Topics range from practical self-help advice and holistic self-healing to the paranormal, supernatural, and the mystical in nature. Our host is John Culbertson. He is an ordained metaphysical minister and certified metaphysical mind practitioner. He is also a Reiki master, shamanic practitioner, a Wiccan priest, a tarot card reader, and an astrologer. Before being ordained as a metaphysical minister, he had previously been ordained as an evangelical Christian minister. He is also a lifelong student of psychology and counseling, having degrees in both the psychology of human behavior and spiritual counseling. Now it's time to quiet our mind and open our soul as we align with spirit. Hello, good day, and welcome to the Align with Spirit podcast. I am your host, John Culbertson, and our topic today is an overview of the shamanic worldview. Shamanism has become very popular in the New Age world. The roots of shamanism have been around for eons. Almost all cultures can trace their roots back in time to a period when they embraced some form of shamanism. Many indigenous cultures still have practicing shamans. The idea of core shamanism is all about taking the most common techniques found throughout all these cultures and learning and using them for healing. This includes both self-healing and the healing of others. People that practice core shamanism are usually referred to as shamanic practitioners as opposed to shamans. There is even a belief out there that one should never refer to themselves as a shaman because the belief states that that is a title that can only be given to you by the people and the community in which you work. Regardless of if one is talking about traditional shamanism or core shamanism, there is a particular worldview that individuals who practice have. Today, we are going to take a brief tour of this shamanic worldview We'll be looking at the three worlds that shamans and shamanic practitioners believe in, as well as a very concise introduction to what is known as shamanic psychology. Woven into this will also be a discussion on spirit animals, spirit teachers, and even the shadow. So let's begin with the three worlds. The basic shamanic worldview consists of believing in three worlds that are connected by a common thread. In most traditions, this thread is a giant tree, and it's named the World Tree. Some traditions, however, focus on other common threads, for example, a mountain. But the idea is that this common thread can be used to travel between the worlds. This is very important, as shamans are supposed to be the walkers between the worlds. It is in this walking between worlds that the shaman does most of his or her work. A shaman travels between the worlds by a process known as journeying or journey work. The shaman or the shamanic practitioners use some method to enter into an ultra state of consciousness. It is while they are in this ultra state of consciousness that they can travel between worlds. Some of the more popular methods of achieving this ultra state of consciousness include drumming, 
rattling, and even dancing. Though some traditions actually have more than three worlds, most will acknowledge three basic worlds, the lower, the upper, and the middle worlds. I want to take a few moments to take a look at each of these and why they are considered essential. The lower world. The lower world is believed to be below us, deep within the bowels of the earth. There is no hell concept in shamanic worldview, at least not as Judeo-Christians believe. Instead, the lower world is a very primal place. It is where spirit animals, fairy people, and even our ancestors are thought to live. Many describe it as a jungle or a rainforest. Still, it's important to understand that all types of terrans are found within the lower world, including deserts, alpine mountains, oceans, and so forth. Water is a fundamental theme in the lower world, and there are waterfalls, streams, lakes, rivers, and oceans. In shamanic psychology, the lower self is also associated with this world. And the lower self is the part of the self that is intuitive and mostly animalistic. As such, it tends to rely more on instincts as opposed to logic. Its purpose is to help protect us. In Freudian psychology, this lower self will be closely linked to the idea of the id, that part of the self that wants to survive and whose function is to want instant gratification. Spirit Animals most all shamans and shamanic practitioners believe in spirit animals. Most believe that each person has a spirit animal that is the guardian and protector of their life force energy. It is thought that when this spirit animal is captured, abandoned, mistreated, disrespected, or worse, never known, then the physical health issues of an individual tend to, tend to pop up, they tend to occur. These health issues then can only be resolved through what is known as a power retrieval. And a power retrieval is when the shaman enters the lower world, seeks out and meet with the spirit animal that belongs to a person, and then brings it back to the physical world. The energy of that spirit animal is then merged with the energy of the person that is in need of healing. This particular spirit animal is oftentimes known as the totem animal. But other spirit animals may come and go from a person's life as their energy and knowledge are needed. For example, a person may have a bear come into their life in order to teach them to be courageous or to seek out the quote-unquote honey of life. These spirit animals are considered necessary, but the totem animal tends to hold the most significance in a person's life. Ancestors Some shamanic traditions believe that ancestors can also be found in the lower world. But... Other shamanic traditions will place these ancestors in the middle or even upper world. Regardless of where the tradition places the ancestors, ancestor acknowledgement is considered very important and is a sacred part of many shamanic paths. In some shamanic cultures, it is believed that curses, bad luck, and even illness will come upon those who disrespect their ancestors or who do not honor them. In these cases, for healing to occur, there must be a confession and then some type of penance must be paid to restore harmony with the ancestors. Once peace is restored, it's essential to communicate with the ancestors and provide offerings to them in order to keep that harmony flowing. One of the ways that ancestors are honored is by speaking kindly of them. Another way that we honor our ancestors is by telling their stories to other people so that their memories never die.
Finally, we have the Fairy Realm, also located in the Lower World. Now, not all shamanic cultures accept the idea of fairies. Those that do will place them in the Lower World. The exception being the trickster fairies. They are more often thought of as being located in the Middle World. Of course, fairies are the magical little winged creatures known for bestowing both blessings and curses on people, right? Well, that's according to one type of lore. The fact is, there are many different viewpoints on what a fairy is. And sometimes fairies are equated to pixies, elves, dwarves, brownies, gnomes, and a whole host of other creatures. Many consider these creatures to be nature spirits, and they are responsible for taking care of the natural world. Shamans who work with the fairy realm will often find these creatures to be very potent allies for both protection and healing. From the lower world, we now take our viewpoint and look at the upper world. And of course, the upper world is believed to be above us, high in the sky, past our atmosphere's clouds. Just like there is no hell concept in the shamanic worldview, there's also no heaven concept in the shamanic worldview. Instead, the upper world is seen as a mystical and celestial place. It is a place where spirit teachers, our higher selves, and yes, even angels are said to reside. Many will describe it as a beautiful city composed of gemstones and crystals. The upper world is also thought to be bright and feels very light compared to the darker and denser lower world. Some will see the upper world as a city in the clouds, and others will view it as a sky island. Regardless, there are buildings here, and it has a much more cosmopolitan feel to it than the primal feeling that we associate with the lower world. One of the things that exists in this upper world that almost all shamanic traditions recognize are spirit teachers. Spirit teachers are instructors that reside in the upper world. They align with the shaman to work through him or her, and they provide teachings, insight, and information. Spirit teachers are so important that for most shamanic cultures, there comes the point in time when the spirit teacher takes over for the physical world teacher. And from that point moving forward, the material world teacher only helps facilitate the spirit teacher's insight and understandings. And in truth, eventually the need for a physical world teacher stops because the spirit teacher entirely takes over. Unlike traditional New Ageism, shamanic, practi shamanic practitioners don't break up teachers into categories. So for example, there is no life guide or protector guide or play guide. Instead, there is only my spirit teacher. Spirit teachers are respected and honored, and they usually assign homework and evaluate the student shaman's progress. Some are male, and of course some are female, but all can shapeshift into animals and into other forms. In the shamanic worldview, a spirit teacher is always consulted before and oftentimes even during any healing work that is being performed. The spirit teacher's insight and advice is frequently followed to, to a T by the shaman or the shamanic practitioner. Now, in shamanic psychology, the higher self is also believed to be connected to the upper world. And the higher self is a part of you that represents the best of who you are capable of being. 
It is considered to have a very close connection with the higher power, and that's by whatever name you choose to call it. The higher self is also said to be intimately connected with the upper world spirit teacher. Many believe that the higher self can act as a mirror to show you what is possible, and that it can also merge with you for a short while so you can realize and feel what it's like to be at your best. All people higher selves are located in the upper world. Sometimes a shaman will travel to the upper world and hold a meeting with other people's higher selves. They will do this to gather information and yes, even to facilitate healing in that spiritual plane, which then sees results in the physical plane. At other times, a shaman will travel to the upper world to talk with their own higher self. They do this so that they can find different opinions about their own life circumstances and situations. That enables them to return to the physical world to deal with their problems from a new and different perspective. In Freudian psychology, the higher self would most closely align with the superego or superconsciousness. And that is the part of the self that is wise, moral, and that wants what is best for the self and others. Of course, no discussion on the upper world would be complete without at least mentioning angels. Like the fairy folk, not all shamanic cultures acknowledge angels. Those that do, or any variation of a creature that could be described as being like an angel, they will typically place them in the upper world. Angels and those creatures which resemble them are believed to be responsible for the construction and maintenance of the universe. They are responsible in essence for holding the universe together. They are also sometimes seen as intermediaries or messengers between the worlds. As with the fairy folk, those shamans who do work with angels and become allies with them will find that they have extra help and guidance in their work. So we talked about the upper world, we talked about the lower world. What's in between the two of them? Of course, the middle world. Now many will know the middle world by a different name, the astral planes. For many, the middle world is not considered a safe place unless you are an advanced practitioner. Of course, it is important at this point to understand that there are two middle worlds. In the first case, when we refer to the middle world, we're simply talking about our physical world. And in some traditions, this physical world is called ordinary reality instead of the middle world. It is where life as we know it happens. It is the regular day-to-day -day events and affairs that we physically participate in. In the second case, the second middle world, that place is considered the shadow side of the physical world. And it exists in what is termed non-ordinary reality. Likewise, the upper world and lower world also exist in non-ordinary reality because there is nothing physically happening here in our earthly world. The shadow world is a place of darkness, deceit, trickery, intense emotions, and even fears. It often appears hidden from others. It resembles our physical world, but it is not our physical world. It is here in this shadow realm that souls often get lost, and, we're, and where we are poisoned by harmful thought forms are zapped by toxic vibrations. Some of these thought forms and vibrations we create ourselves, but sometimes 
They come from other people. It's usually trauma that is responsible for the soul's fragmentation. And when the soul fragments, parts of it tend to get lost in the middle world, in the shadow realm. Some of the most intense healing work that a shaman or shamanic practitioner will, will perform will be within that middle world. For example, soul retrieval, shadow warfare, and even removing toxins. All of these typically occur in non-ordinary middle world. Speaking of shadow warfare, we need to talk about the shadow for a few moments. It is a particularly important concept this idea of the shadow self. Now all people have a shadow self. And this shadow self is said to reside within the non-ordinary middle world. It is the part of the self that Freudian psychologists would probably most closely term the ego. However, I will argue that there is a big difference between our ego self and the shadow self. It's important to understand that the ego serves as a crucial function in psychology. And many New Age philosophies these days, they're all about removing and destroying the ego, tearing it down. And though I suppose this is great help to beginners, I do not think that it's practical to focus on that for long-term pursuits. The reason I say that is because it is the ego that mitigates the id and the superconsciousness. The id and the superego are often in conflict with each other, and the ego is responsible for resolving that conflict. Thus, if we have no ego, then that conflict typically rages out of control and it leads to imbalance and to disease, either physical or mental. As such, we must all develop a healthy ego to function effectively here in the physical world. At this point in time, I want you to note that the upper world is not our superconsciousness. It is closely linked to it. The lower world is not our id, but it is closely related to it. And the middle world is certainly not our ego, but it's closely attached to it. While these parts of ourselves may reside within these worlds, they are not the same as the worlds. Additionally, the shadow should not be seen as bad or evil or even our enemy. It is a part of the self that others may sometimes consider to be these things, but let's face it, in reality, we all have fears. We all have things we are angry about. We all have things we would usually be ashamed to share with other people. And herein lies the power of working with the shadow. There is a great transformative power in accepting and facing the shadow self. Just as there is great power in transparency and honesty, both with yourself and with others. Here are some final thoughts for you. Hopefully, this quick overview of the shamanic worldview has provided insights into the belief system that shamans tend to hold. But it is only an overview. It certainly doesn't cover everything or even most things. Pretty much anything that I've talked about can be researched to a greater extent and you'll uncover even a greater wealth of information as you do so. As is true with most earth-based religions, it's essential to understand that not every shaman or shamanic practitioner will believe the same thing. 
Most will certainly understand all the concepts that I've talked about today. But many will have their own experiences that will help them relate to these concepts differently. Likewise, the culture that you are brought up in, the shamanic tradition you learn from, those are all going to influence your shamanic worldview. As always, it's essential to speak with each individual and find out what that person believes before you jump to any conclusions. I want to thank you for joining me with the Align with Spirit podcast today. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at the Pagan Wheel of the Year. I hope you have a wonderful week. Many blessings to you. You've been listening to the Align with Spirit podcast, hosted by John Culbertson. The Align with Spirit podcast is supported by the contributions of generous listeners like you. For more information about John Culbertson, the host, or to help support us, please visit the website mysticjohnculbertson.com.